Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. I'm excited to be able to uh, bring the word to you uh, as we start 2022. I know uh, we always say the first part has the power to bless the rest. And we use that in tithes. We use that in our giving and in our sowing. But the first part has the power to bless the rest. And uh, if I could encourage you with any one thing for 2022, it would simply to be this. Be one and oh every day against the devil. Amen. Come on. Be one and oh every day against the enemy of your destiny. Be one and oh. Don't worry about it. You're like, oh, by the time we get to March, March will take care of itself. Just today, be one and oh. Amen. Tomorrow, be one and oh. 2022 will be wonderful. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I need to uh, remind some of you and inform the rest of you of a particular principle that you will need to kind of keep with you as I share this message. And that principle is this. Information leads to revelation, which causes confrontation, but allows for transformation if there's application. Okay? Information, the data, the Word of God, it leads to revelation. Because if you're reading the Word and if you're listening, then the Holy Spirit is going to reveal something to you. And generally, whenever the Holy Spirit reveals something, it's contrary to what you were thinking before. So there's going to be a confrontation in your spirit, a confrontation in your heart. But if you will just apply that information that you get, transformation will take place in your life. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to give you some information. And the Holy Spirit's going to do his job and he's going to bring some revelation. And I can promise you there's going to be a confrontation. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay. But you choose to do what God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father God, again, we thank you that you're an awesome God and a faithful God. And we're grateful for this another opportunity that you've given us as your people to come together, Heavenly Father, uh, just in pursuit of you, Heavenly Father, a word from you, your manifest presence, your goodness, your glory. Heavenly Father, we've come to this place today, Lord, to honor you, Heavenly Father, and to be strengthened in our faith, Heavenly Father. And so have your way, God, in this next 30, 35 minutes, Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to speak, Lord, give them ears to hear, a mind to understand, a heart to receive, and then a faith and a boldness to walk out whatever you say today, Lord. We love you. We bless you, we honor you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So this morning I'm going to pose a question uh, of which I think I already know the answer. And it's a rhetorical question in a sense, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. And the purpose of the message today is to try to flush this thing out. So the question is this, is worship the most important activity in which a Christian can participate? You don't have to answer out loud. Hopefully the message will answer that question for you. But is worship the most important activity in which a Christian can participate? Don't know if you're familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism, but it says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 
So we can go back to the very beginning and we can look at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and you see what was their purpose. He says, hey, bear my likeness, bear my image, have fun, be fruitful and multiply, enjoy me forever. You bring glory to me when you act like I told you to act, when you live like I told you to live, right? So the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So I come back to the question, is the most important activity in which a Christian can participate worship. So I've been on this, uh, I've been on this soapbox for probably 20, 22, 23 years. Um, and some, some of y'all are laughing cause you know, right. But I like to say that worship is the most important thing that happens on a Sunday morning, because if we're doing it right, that's the only part of the service that God gets something out of. So, so God's not interested in the announcement. So, so watch this. So on, on January 10th, we start our Capital College of Ministry, right? We got four different classes. I'm teaching one of them. You should sign up, right? Because they're going to be really good in this particular quarter. Then on January 14th, 15th, and 16th, we've got our uh, prayer and worship weekend. It's going to be amazing. You want to make sure you put that on your calendar. I think the CYA and the high schoolers, they have a winter retreat that's coming up. Maybe the CYA people, the interns are going to do an encounter, something like that. And then we've got our, our Lighthouse small groups that will probably kick off this year where we'll be praying in neighborhoods. Oh, we got the children people. They need some helpers, right? They need some volunteers back there to help because there's just a bunch of kids and they're overrunning. God is not interested in those things. The announcements aren't for God. The announcements are for you. Worship is the most important thing that happens on a Sunday morning. You're like, ah, but what about the preaching? What about the preaching? Now, um, for the life of me, I can't imagine while we're preaching, God being thoroughly impressed. I mean, because if we're preaching right, all we're doing is preaching the word, right? God knows the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word became flesh, right? So if we're doing it right, all we're doing is talking about stuff that he already told us. Okay. And for the life of me, in the middle of my sermon, I can't imagine God leaning over to Gabriel and be like, Ooh, get me a pen and some paper. I need to take notes. Can you imagine that? Can you picture that? That's not what's going on. But if we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, that's the part of the service that God gets something out of. Amen. Jesus told the woman at the well, I'm looking for worshipers who worship me in spirit and in truth. Those are the type of worshipers that I want. God gets glory when we do what God has called us to do and be who God has called us to be. Now, Side note, I got to deviate just for a minute, right? I know I'm not even five minutes into the message and I'm switching, switching lanes, right? If you want to know how to bring glory to God, because the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If you want to know how to live right, how to act right, how to serve right, how to give right, one simple question will do the trick. You ask yourself, will this bring glory to God? This activity that I'm participating in, will this bring glory to God? Uh, the way that I'm treating my, my wife or the way that I'm treating my husband, will this bring glory to God? The way that I, I, I do what my boss has called me to do, will this bring glory to God? The example that I'm setting for my children or my coworkers, will this bring glory to God? It's one simple question. And if the answer is no, switch. Right? If the answer is no, switch. One simple question. The chief end of man is to glorify God 
and enjoy him forever. So if God is glorified when we worship him, then my argument is that worship is the most important thing that happens on a Sunday morning because glory, glorifying God is our main purpose, right? So I've been on that soapbox, people will tell you, for 20 plus years, right? But there's an incompleteness in that statement because it's not just on Sunday. Come on, it's not just on Sunday that worship is the most important thing that takes place, but every other day of the week as well. Come on, I don't think that God wants your service as much as he wants your worship. Come on, God is more interested in what he has for you than what he wants from you. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? God is more interested in what he wants for you than what he wants from you. I love the way that Pastor Mark Francie put it last week. He said the ultimate goal of the church is worship. He said mission exists where worship is not, right? But he says out of expressive worship, mission automatically exist. And so this is what I believe. This is my statement. God's original plan for mankind was that we would have his image and likeness and that we would live in his manifest presence. His original plan was that we would share in his authority and rule and not serve him as subjects. This is why the Bible says that Jesus Christ is king of kings and Lord of lords. He's not king of subjects. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. I've been at the church for a long time, and this is what I love about Pastor Ken that I don't get from uh, a lot of other pastors and a lot of people in other places. When he prays, we like it when he prays, and, and he's like, you need to pray, but I'm thinking there's authority in your prayer. He knows who he is. He knows whose he is, and he prays with that understanding. I think some of us think that, oh, well, we don't really have that type of relationship with God, so we can't pray like that. King of kings, Lord of lords, know whose you are and who you are. It'll change the way that you live your life, right? Understanding your God-ordained purpose is the first key to fulfilling it. So like the Pharisees of old, all religions emphasize and prioritize a set of rules which they use to tell you how spiritual you are or how spiritual you aren't. But I believe that God emphasizes and he prioritizes relationship. Come on, again, he's more concerned with who you become than what you do. Come on, God is more interested in who you become than what you do. Something about anyone who be in Christ Jesus is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new, right? You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what the Bible says. Paul tells us in Romans, be transformed. God is more interested in who you become versus what you do. If you walk through the Bible, you look at the story of Abraham, right? And there was a moment when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And he stepped into a new grace. He stepped into a new anointing. There was a moment in time when Jacob was jacking up everybody's program, right? But he changed his name to Israel. And he started acting differently because he became somebody else. Simon became Peter. And I tell you, the New Testament church is really, really glad that Saul became Paul. Amen? But you're like, what's that got to do with worship? Well, I believe that worship is the vessel that is the catalyst for transformation and will help you maximize your relationship with God through Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say that again. Worship is the vessel that is a catalyst for transformation and will help you maximize your relationship with God through Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. Some of you guys are waiting for God to do some things and God is waiting for you to become someone. You're waiting for God to do some things, but God is waiting for you to become someone. Maybe he's waiting for you to be a worshiper. 
I preached to the CYA crew a couple months ago and I was talking about level up, right? Go to a new level. And I had to explain to them, when I say level up, I'm not talking about elevation. I'm talking about evolution. Okay, I'm talking about becoming someone else, someone who God called you to be. And I says, try as they might, a caterpillar will never be able to reach the heights that a butterfly will. But it's not until that caterpillar transforms from a caterpillar into a butterfly that he can elevate. Evolution automatically produced elevation. You're waiting for God to do some things, and God is waiting for you to become someone think about it. So I'm studying for this message and I'm looking, okay, how many times does the word worship occur in the, in, in the Bible? And what I found was that the word worship occurs about 503 times across 13 different translations. So sometimes the word is worship. Sometimes the word is bow down. Sometimes the word is prostrate yourself, right? But if you go in and look at the Strong's number, 7812, it'll show you about 503 times that that word has actually been defined. Now, the New Testament Greek word is proskunio. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. I don't speak Greek, but um, Pastor Chris will fix it next week. And the Old Testament Hebrew word is shaka, right? But both of them refer to kneeling or bowing before the Lord or prostrating oneself uh, in homage or in obedience to a superior. But watch this. The majority of them have nothing to do with singing. Bow down and worship the Lord. The majority of them have nothing to do with singing. So I believe that the purpose of kingdom worship, watch this. I believe that the purpose of kingdom worship is to experience the manifest presence and power of the living God. That's what I believe kingdom worship is all about. That we would experience the manifest presence of the living God. Come on, the goal is not about us feeling some sort of way, which is when you tell me, oh, Pastor Mark, I love that song. Can we sing that song again? Or will you tell me, Pastor Mark, I don't like that song. I I don't care. I don't care what you like. I mean, I do. I love you, but that's not my biggest concern. Come on, can you imagine this conversation? So this is God. Mark, how come you sing that song? Well, the people were pressuring me to sing that song, and they said they liked it. God's like, I don't. I I love y'all, right? But I'm not trying to mess up this program messing with you guys, right? Our happiness and our approval of a song or even a worship encounter absolutely means nothing in comparison to us getting a revelation of how mighty and how awesome and how faithful and how beautiful God is. Come on, have you considered lately how extremely privileged that we are to have the opportunity to come into his presence? In the Old Testament, very few people got to experience that. Then Jesus comes and he tears the veil and we have access, unlimited access to the point to where the Bible says he bids us humbly yet boldly to come before his presence. You got access. God wants to fellowship with you in the atmosphere of worship and you want to sing a song. I don't know. Have you asked yourself lately, Jesus tore the veil, gave us access. What's the access for? The access is not so you can jump around and so that you can clap and so that you can dance and so that you can shout and so that you can sing. The access is for the purpose of transformation. Moses spent time in the presence of the Lord on the mountaintop. And it says when he came down, his face was white and his hair was white because the glory of the Lord transformed him. What's the access for? 
Come on. God is intentional. And if he gave us access, he gave us access for a reason. My argument is that he gave us access so that we could be transformed by his manifest presence. So I call this thing kingdom worship, right? Because when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he said, pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Uh, one of my favorite pastors, uh, Bishop Joseph Garlington, I, I love him because he, I mean, he preaches the word of God with authority. He's also a worshiper, right? And so I like those guys who preach and sing at the same time, right? But he wrote this book called Worship, A Pattern of Things in Heaven. It's like, that's a great title. And in the book, he talks about, well, if this is the type of worship that's going on in heaven, then this is the type of worship that should be going on in the earth. Because we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So if we look at the Bible, it gives us about two significant glimpses into the type of worship that's going on in heaven. And, and, and I'm going to share these scriptures with you. So in, in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphs, each with six wings, and with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. This is, this is, this is, they were worshiping God like that. If I just sang a song saying, Holy, 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 the Lord God is, the whole earth is filled with his glory, you guys will get bored. Maybe not. It says that the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And this is what Isaiah says. This is the prophet, the man of God. Obviously, he's in relationship and communication with God because God is using him to stir things up on the earth, right? And this is what he said. He sees the worship that's going on in heaven. And he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. Is that the type of response that you have when God reveals himself and all of his glory and all of his splendor, all of his power and all of his might in the middle of a worship encounter? I think a lot of times we can't see that because we're looking at us. Revelation causes confrontation. Okay. Another scripture, John the Revelator, the book of Revelations, chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And it says, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth, this is us, joining in the song, and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor, and glory, and power. Be to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. Come on, the type of worship that was going on in heaven had nothing to do with the angels, and it had everything to do with the God that they were serving, the God that they were glorifying. And then the four living creatures said, Amen, and the 24 orders fell down, and they worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Come on again, in our corporate worship time, is this the type of experience that we're having? Pastor Mark said it last week again. He says, both you and Jesus can't be on the throne at the same time. So we have to get to a place where we're not worshiping to please us, but we're worshiping to honor the Lord. We have to get to a place where we're not worshiping to please us, but we're worshiping to please the Lord. 
Come on, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Just by a show of hands, how many of you want that way? Don't raise your hand. So the question begs, if what you believed about worshiping God wasn't the whole truth, wouldn't you want to know? Come on, if what you believed about worshiping God wasn't the whole truth, wouldn't you want to know? I want to know. Now, I believe that we're all intelligent people, and I don't think that there's anyone in this room or anybody watching online that is not convinced of the importance of worship. But being convinced of the importance of something and actually participating meaningfully in it are two different things. Now, I'm thoroughly convinced that I should go see Marshall Weber at Jack City Fitness at least three times a week, right, to take care of my body so I can live well. I just don't want to live long. I want to live well, right? I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced of it. It's important. It's, it's extremely important. But based on our text messages that you see back and forth, when he's sending me messages like, oh, missed you this week. Missed you. The fact that I was thoroughly convinced that I should participate, but I didn't participate, doesn't do me any good. It's not enough just to have that knowledge and that revelation. You have to act on it. Come on, does that make sense? It's two different things, being convinced of something and then meaningfully participating in it. So somebody say worship. Come on, say worship again. So it seems like when we use that word, it seems that the church has relegated worship to singing. But worship is not just about singing. Come on, the Bible shows us and tells us that true kingdom worship is transformative. Come on, everybody that spends time in the presence of the Lord and the glory of the Lord, they come out transformed if they're worshiping right. And you can't just get that in a song. Because if you could, I'd have found that song. I'd have wrote that song. I'd have paid for that song. If it was just one song that we needed in order to be pleasing to God, I'm telling you, I'd have found it. And that's we all, we, you can't get that transformation just in a song. If kingdom worship was just about worshiping, then you wouldn't have scriptures like we just talked about in Romans 12.1, where Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present yourselves, your bodies, and as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of what? your spiritual service of worship. In Psalm 29, the writer says, ascribe to the Lord, almighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Now, I didn't come this morning to try to make you think that I'm an expert on the subject of, of worship because I'm not. The only expert on kingdom worship is the person who created kingdom worship. The only person sufficiently qualified to say, man, that was an awesome worship service is God, the creator. We, we step out not changing because we sometimes man, that was great. I'm like, okay, you're not the judge of great. He is. I, I'm not picking on this, right? I'm just saying, right? We said, oh, we rated uh, 10, uh, 9, 7. I, I didn't get anything out of worship today. Maybe you were worshiping wrong. The manufacturer is the only one sufficiently qualified to tell us. So I'm not an expert. However, I do know how to read the text. Okay. And I can clearly see that the majority of the references in the Bible about worship show that either the American church doesn't care about worshiping according to the text or we're content with experiencing less than what God has for us by settling for giving God less than what he's asked from us. Don't settle. Don't settle. Come on, settling is you putting a period where God has put a comma. 
He's not done by a long shot. So, and it, with the example of song, let me, let me give you an example of song. So we used to sing this song. I will worship with all of my heart and I will praise you with all of my strength and I will seek you all of my days and I will follow all of your ways. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. Thank you, choir. Now, if we truly understood what kingdom worship is, then we might not be so quick to lie to God with our singing when our life begs or sings a different tune. Uh-oh, shots fired. Sorry, I'm just the messenger. If we truly understood what kingdom worship is, then we might not be so quick to lie to God with our singing when our life sings a different tune. Come on, Jesus repeated in the book of Matthew what the prophet Isaiah had spoke to the religious people of his day when he said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. These people draw near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is nowhere to be found. I'm not trying to lie to God just to sing you a song. At one time, it was a long time ago, right? I'm delivered from all that stuff now. But um, Pastor Ken, I think we were, we were doing something. He's like, sing, I surrender all. And I'm like, in my spirit, I'm like, I, I haven't really surrendered all. I'm like, I'm not singing. So I just turned around, right, with my arms up. You didn't know I wasn't singing because I got a choir, right? But I turned this way. I'm thinking, I am not trying to lie to God just because I'm supposed to lead a song for you guys. God knows you haven't surrendered all. So why are you going to lie and sing the song? You, you could change it up. Lord, I want to surrender all. I don't know. Change the words, but don't lie. Think that you're doing something and God is not glorified. Come on. So what's considered kingdom worship? Honor is worship. Come on. Obedience is worship. Reverence. Come on. Is worship. The fear of the Lord. Sacrifice. Come on, it's worship. David in 2 Samuel 24, he's about to build an altar for the Lord and he's got this property, he's gonna buy a threshing floor and the guy's like, oh, David, you can just have it. He says, no, 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 no. I refuse to sacrifice something to the Lord that costs me nothing. Maverick City cannot worship the Lord for you. Bethel cannot worship the Lord for you. I just put on the hill songs and we was worshiping. That's them singing, that's not you. If you're not transformed in that space, is it really worship? Come on, tithing is worship. Giving is worship. Fasting is worship. Praying is worship. Serving is worship. And yes, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that's worship. So when you're singing songs like, here I am to worship, it's simply an outward act that reflects the heart's posture to honor and follow the king. I'm not singing a song for the purpose of singing. See, all of you worships, okay? Not just your lips, not just your hands. All of you worships from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, inside and outside, all of you 
worships. And I think the problem with our modern day worship encounters is that um, we emphasize the music and the singing over all these other attributes that the Bible calls worships. Now, it's not just a 21st century problem, but you think that the church would have learned by now since we're not experiencing the fruit in our corporate gatherings that the Bible promises that we would. But they say insanity is keep doing the same thing and, and expecting different results. God says there's fruit of our encounters. Spend time on the mountaintop with him, you get changed, transformed by faith to faith, from faith to faith and glory to glory. Look at, look at Amos chapter five. This is out of the message Bible. This is what it says. I can't stand your religious meetings. Says my sister, be like, I can't stand your religious meetings. Yeah, that's what she used to do to me. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all that I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. I study mostly out of a life application Bible, really good Bible. I love it. But the notes on this particular scripture, I haven't put them on the screen. It says this. It says, God hates worship by people who go through the motions only for show. If we are living sinful lives and using religious rituals and traditions to make ourselves look good, God will despise our worship and will not accept what we offer. He wants sincere hearts, not praise from hypocrites. When you worship a church, are you more concerned about your image or are you concerned about your attitude? toward God. Come on, come on. You come, you come to church to worship the Lord. Just finish arguing and fighting with your wife in the car. Then you're raising your hands and you're singing and you expect God to respond to that. Come on, you come through the front doors of the church and you got issues with this person over here on this side of the church or issues with that person over there. You won't forgive them. You won't let God do a work in you, but you expect that when you sing a song, there will be some fruit from you lifting up that song. Come on, just living foul. Heart is just foul. Mean. But I sung the song. It made me feel better, so I must be worshiping God. Come on, worship is not just about singing. And a good portion of you already know it. Because if it was, if worship was just about singing, then you wouldn't be late to church. Shots fired again. Come on, how can you put more of an emphasis on being on time to work and be late for church? How can you put more? You, you'll reorder your schedule and reorder your life so that you make that movie time, right? Or you'll reorder your schedule so that you make that reservation at a mono's, right? Don't want to be late because they won't give you a seat. But you won't reorder your life for the fellowship of the saints in the corporate, in the corporate setting? Did that hurt? I'm sorry. If it hurt, I missed because I wasn't trying to hurt you. I was trying to kill that mentality in you. There has to be a change. There has to be a change. The world is desperately in need of a people who have spent time in the manifest presence of God and transformation takes place in their life so that they can see. So that they can see the power of the gospel. 
I don't know about you, but I want 2022, I want my worship to be transformative. Amen. I want my worship to be pleasing to God. I want my worship to be Christ-centered, not me-centered. And I want my worship, I want worship encounters that have an eternal impact. Come on, how many of you know that transformation for a lifetime can take place in just one moment? You see it all throughout the Bible. I mentioned it. Moses on the mountaintop, Jacob wrestling with the angel. Transformation, eternal transformation can take place in one encounter. But we have to be participating in kingdom worship, not me worship. And then some of you are like, Mark, I must be doing it right because I, you know, I get this feeling when I worship and I can just feel the Lord's presence. I watched The Preacher's Wife over the holidays with Whitney Houston. I got that feeling because that girl can sing. A feeling does not dictate whether God has showed up. Come on, in Genesis, watch this. In Genesis, in the creation story, it talks about after God, how God had created everything. And it says there was a moment in time where he had caused it not to rain, right? And it says, well, why didn't it rain? And then he answers the question. He says, because there was no man to till the ground. So God says, if I send the rain, stuff is going to grow. But there's nobody to take care of what I want to grow. So it says from that time, there was just a mist that came up out of the earth and it kept everything hydrated. It kept everything green. Come on. I believe that some of us are too much settling for the mist of God in our worship experience and we're not pursuing the rain. I don't know about you, but I don't want a mist. I want the rain. Come on, I want a deluge of the glory of God. I want the manifest presence of the living God in and through my worship. And you don't get that settling. There's more. None of us can say that, well, we've, we've arrived. We've, 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 we've attained it. The apostle Paul, who's my man, right? He says, not that I've already attained this, but I keep pressing on to grab hold of that for which Christ Jesus grabbed hold of me. If that's Paul's testimony, that's our testimony as well. The purpose of worship is to experience the manifest presence of God. Now, you need to know if you don't, there's a difference between omnipresence and manifest presence, and the latter is our pursuit. There's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God, and the latter of those is our pursuit. And for most of us, it's the manifest presence of God that causes transformation in our life, not the omnipresence of God. How do I know? The Bible says that the presence of God was promised to the church. It says, wherever two or three are gathered, I'll be there. So when you walked in the building, the presence of God was in here, right? But that didn't automatically make you start focusing on God. We're in here worshiping and and some of you guys are on your phone. You're texting somebody or you're having a conversation in the middle of worship or, you know, somebody's playing games, right? If that was the manifest presence, every time I read in the Bible where the glory of the Lord came down like that, where it was a manifest presence, there was nobody on their phone. There was no other conversations that were going on. Everybody knew that it was the glory of the Lord in that place. I'm not after a worship encounter and you shouldn't be after a worship encounter where you can have 15 things going on at the same time while you're still pursuing God. I just need God. Come on. We just need the manifest presence of God. Here's a scary scripture for me. Might not be for you, but a scary scripture for me in Matthew chapter seven, excuse me, around the 21st verse. It says, Jesus is the people are like, Lord, Lord, didn't we, didn't we, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Oh, didn't we prophesy in your name? And it says, Jesus going to respond to them away from me. You workers of iniquity. I knew you not. Now you don't know anybody outside of the church trying to cast out demons in Jesus name. The Buddhists don't try to cast out demons in Jesus name. 
The Hindu don't try to prophesy in Jesus' name. These are church people using the name of Jesus. And it says, he's going to say on that day, away from me, you workers of iniquity, I knew you not. So what that implies to me is I can spend 25 years sitting on the pew, worshiping and serving the way that I think I can worship and serve and still miss God. No, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, ask the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to live my life for the Lord and give myself for the Lord, but give it the wrong way and then miss out when he shows up. God's original plan was that mankind would have his image and likeness and live in his manifest presence forever. Chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So I'd submit to you this morning that the purpose of worship, the purpose of worship is the manifest presence of God. It's my argument. But the goal of worship is what I believe God is most interested in. The goal of worship is holiness. The purpose of worship is not a feeling. The purpose of worship is not just to sing a song. The purpose of worship is the manifest presence of the living God. But the goal of that impartation, that visitation, the goal of that manifest presence of God is holiness. Ephesians chapter one, verses three through four, excuse me. It says, praise be to God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be what? To be what? Uh, Pastor Mark, only God is holy. We can't be holy. That's your objective. That's the end game for you is holiness and blameless in his sight. Holiness doesn't come from singing a worshipful song. Holiness comes from living a worshipful life. Come on, let me say that again. Holiness doesn't come from singing a worshipful song. Holiness comes from living a worshipful life. Pastor Mark, it's not possible. It's not possible. Okay, you say that. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 says, But just as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. This is what I love about God. God never asks anything from you that he hasn't equipped you to do. He says, hey, without faith, it's impossible to please me. So I need for you to be faithful. Because if you have faith just this big, you can say the mountain be removed and it'll be cast into the sea. Then in Romans, it says, but God deposited in each one of us a measure of faith. So that thing that he's asking you for, he's already deposited in you. Come on, somebody. So when he says, be holy, just like I am holy, he set the standard. Then he made a way for you to achieve that standard. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort. This is our part to live in peace with all men and to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You can sing like a bird, but without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Come on. The purpose of worship is the manifest presence of God. The goal of worship is holiness. This is why we have to understand that worship is meant to be transformative. Kingdom worship involves praising God and giving him glory with our lips and with our lives. Kingdom worship involves praising God and and, and with our words and with our deeds and with our physical bodies as well as our spiritual hearts. The songs that we sing to the Lord, the worship that we give should be reflection of a heart 
that wants to worship the Lord. I'm going to sing a song for you. Worship is sacrifice. My life surrender, broken and open to you. Worship is loving you, giving you glory, singing of all you have done. Here is my worship, here is my worship.
and there is a praise that will transform your life. I believe that we as the people of God, we need to get to a place where we're worshiping God the way that he's asked us to worship. This is what I love about worship. Even though it's for God, we get blessed. Come on, ain't that just like the God that we serve? And pouring out our heart and pouring out our lives to glorify him. He says, I'm going to send my rain. And when I send my rain, you're going to be transformed. And peace is going to grow in your heart. Joy is going to grow in your spirit. Hope is going to, going to grow. Come on, love all of the things that God says we're to participate in. Those things grow as we live a life of worship, not just sing a song. The world desperately needs to see the same type of glory and the same type of anointing on the man and woman of God that the children of Israel saw on Moses when he came down from the mountaintop. Transformed for a lifetime because of one encounter. I'm almost done. You can, you can sit down. In Psalm 100, the psalmist gives us, I believe, an excellent model of how we are supposed to daily live a worshipful life. And I love the scripture. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know, come on, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse four, I love it. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And just four things, if you're taking, if you're taking notes, four things from that scripture I want to give you. Firstly, worship is service. According to verse two, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Worship is service, but the goal is not to serve ourselves. The goal is to serve God. Secondly, worship is adoration. Come on, ascribing worthiness to God for who he is. Verse three, then for what he's done. Verse five, come on, I'm telling you, our, our, our worship has one up on the angels because they, they don't know what it means to be redeemed. They worship the Lord 24-7, seven, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year, holy. You're mighty, you're awesome, you're faithful. Continuous praise. Yet they've never been apart from God. So the way that I process, the way that I think, I'm thinking that my praise and my worship should be greater than the angels. Because I got a story. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Come on, I once was blind, but now I see. The angels can't sing that song, but I can. And how dare we restrict that praise from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You woke up this morning in grace and mercy. We're sitting at the foot of your bed waiting on you. Waiting on you. And we get up not focusing on what God wants to do in us and through us, but we get up to start our day. Then we come to this place and we sing a song and we think we're doing something. 
Come on, in 2022, let that not be our testimony. Jesus said, there's a time coming when those who worship me will worship in spirit and in truth. And I'm declaring to you this day that this is the time for Capital Church to worship God in spirit and in truth. Thirdly, worship establishes communion. Come on, in verse 3, the Hebrew word for no, it implies intimacy, a loving communication. Don't be content with knowing about God. He says, I want to know you. I want you to know me. That's an intimate relationship. And fourthly, worship brings fulfillment. Because we as the child of God, we belong to God. When we worship, again, we're refreshed. When we worship, we're blessed. And when we draw near to God, as a child of God, we're transformed into the same image of God. Second Corinthians, I don't have time to, chapter three, maybe verse 18, it's up there, go and read it. From faith to faith, from glory to glory. I don't know about you, but I long to be transformed. When I look in the mirror, I don't want to see fleshly Mark. I want to see Holy Spirit Mark. When I look in the mirror, I want to see the me that God intended me to be. Pastor Mark, it's hard to worship. We got trials, we got tribulations, we got issues, we got circumstances. Sculptor has a big old block of rock. And then he starts chipping away. And pretty soon an image comes out. You're looking at the block, trying to figure out what your image is going to be. And God's like, no, I'm looking at the image in the block. And every chisel mark that I make is simply to get rid of those things that prevent you from looking the way that you're supposed to look. Here is my worship. Worship will transform your life. Again, the last thing, I just don't want you to get, I don't want you to get it twisted. We've been called to seek and serve and adore God in worship, and we will find that personal fulfillment. But too often we switch it around. I come trying to get me blessed. You will get yours. I promise you, it's impossible to serve the Lord the way that God called you to serve him and not benefit, right? The goal of worship is the manifest presence of the living God. The purpose of worship, I'm sorry, is the manifest presence of the living God. The goal of worship is holiness. Holiness. Come on, stand to your feet. First service, I waited to ask the question to have everybody stand to your feet, but I'm gonna just put you in a place where you can be blessed and encouraged. If you want this year to be a year where you're transformed by the glory of God and you never go back to looking like Simon, you never go back to looking like Jacob, you never go back to looking like Saul, but you turn into who God has called you to be. If that's the type of year that you want, I want you to raise your hand. 2022, 
This is going to be a year where we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth because we understand what the call of God is in our life and we're moving in that direction. With your hands raised, heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I just want to pray for you. God, we're grateful, so grateful for who you are, mighty, awesome, faithful, holy, magnificent, beautiful, beyond description, Lord. We don't even have the words to articulate, God, just, just how amazing you are. But we pray that as we spend time with you, Lord, that you would continue to bring us revelation. And God, I pray that as we worship you in spirit and in truth, that, that you would show us, Lord, those things in our lives that, that, that aren't pleasing to you, God, and that when that confrontation comes from the Holy Spirit, that we would make the conscious decision, Lord, to turn from our sins and to turn to you, Heavenly Father. We desire your manifest presence in our lives. And we believe, according to your word, and by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, that we can walk in the holiness that you called us to walk in simply by laying it all down, picking up our cross, and giving you what you deserve, as well as what you ask for. So Lord, you see every hand that is raised, you know our hearts. Let our worship come from the inside out. Be glorified, be exalted, be magnified, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Come on and before we transition from this, this, this place right here, that scripture in Psalm 100, verse 3, it says, know that the Lord is your God. Maybe there's some of you in the building today and you don't know. Maybe there's some of you in the building today and you've never made the conscious decision to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. I asked the question earlier, if, if you weren't worshiping correctly, wouldn't you want to know? And most of you said yes. If God was to call you home tonight, wouldn't you want to know that heaven is your eternal resting place? And maybe there's some of you in here and you, you can't make that statement. That's not your testimony. We want to pray for you and we want to give you that opportunity to be transformed for a lifetime because of this one particular moment. So again, with every eye closed, every head bowed, we don't, we don't want to embarrass you. But we do want to give you the opportunity to get free, the opportunity to get whole, the opportunity to move into the place where God would have you to be. And if you'd say today, Pastor Mark, if I died tonight, I don't know that heaven would be my home. If that's you and you want to change that statement, I want you to lift your hands. Come on, if you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want you to lift your hands again. There's no, no embarrassment. There's no condemnation. Come on, this is a celebration time. This is a time for freedom in Christ. Come on, anybody else? I see the hands. Just keep them up. Come on, I, I want you to pray this prayer with me while you have your hands lifted. I want the whole congregation to pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me in spite of me. Thank you for making a way that I might have fellowship with you because of your grace and your mercy. Lord, in this moment, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my God and I thank you for receiving me into your kingdom this day. I repent of my sins and I turn my life over to you. 
Have your way in my life, Jesus. Be glorified, I pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody ought to give God some praise. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.